0: Hi and welcome to the Desert Heights Church weekly message where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. And glory to God for his grace in our marriages, amen? We could not do it without him. Oh man, don't look at my wife right now. (laughs) But I want you to take notice of the fact that he says, let there be no sexual immorality among you. And the NIV translation I'm actually speaking out of the NLT if you didn't know that, but the NIV translation of this says that uh, there must not even be a hint of these things. And the point here is we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't ride the fence or give any doubt to our conduct in this manner. In fact, I was just having a, a conversation with somebody this morning and uh, he was saying, they just it's not really a priority anymore. They don't teach um, that sex before marriage is wrong. And uh, I even had a conversation with my mom recently, and I was like, yeah, well, I was taught that sex before marriage was wrong, but that's what I was taught. They didn't teach us anything about getting as close to the line as possible. You know what I mean? So we need to be telling others, don't ride the fence, don't get as close to the line as possible. And it's hard because our world today pushes sexual immorality at us like a flood, Every character on every show is jumping from bed to bed, and every advertisement is selling sex just as much as they're selling a product. Colossians 4, 5 says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. So we need to be examples of what God is like and not mirrors of what the world is like. We shouldn't go as far as we can, but without overtly sinning. You hear what I'm saying? Also notice how he phrases the last part of this verse, and he says that these sins have no place among God's people. This kind of behavior doesn't fit with a person who has been washed in the blood of Jesus. Like a person who's lost a lot of weight and doesn't fit into their old clothes anymore, we as Christians should no longer fit into the mold of impurity, lust, and selfishness. We are to be clothed with Christ in his character, and we are to be holy as he is holy. That's why we sang that song this morning. I know that not all of you knew it, but it was uh, just kind of a prayer that we are to be holy as holy, set apart, and we'll talk a little more about that in a little bit, but the NIV translation uh, says that these things are improper for God's people, and the word improper literally means to become conspicuous, and as Christians, If we allow ourselves to be drawn into sin, we become conspicuous because, trust me, the world is watching, Now they're watching and waiting to point out our sin, to tell us that we're not perfect. (laughs) We're the first ones to know that we're not perfect, though, right? Verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So these three things involve the way uh, that we talk to others. Even as we guard how, uh, we need to guard how we act around and with other people, we need to guard how we talk to others. And guys, I'm just going to call you out for a second. Dirty stories and dirty jokes, they're not okay. And girls, gossip isn't okay either. Check out uh, what James 3, 9 through 12 says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father and with it, we curse men. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So, as Christians, we need to watch what we say and watch how we say it. So maybe before you speak, ask yourself if you would say it if God was in the room standing next to you, because he is. I hate to sound like a prude here. Uh, Pastor Brent would say, don't blame me. God said it, not me, it's God's word. And we are to be witnesses for Christ in all we do and say, and these are the instructions on how to do that. Imitators of Christ, his children are not amused by The sins of the world. In fact, they're disgusted by it. Then the last line of the verse says, instead there should be thankfulness to God. So take every opportunity to thank God out loud and in front of others. Always give God the glory and be thankful for all that God has blessed you with. We have plenty to be thankful for, even if all we have is the good news of Jesus. If someone compliments you, Give God the glory by simply saying, praise the Lord, thank you. You can still say thank you and acknowledge the compliment, but you can turn around and give God the glory by saying, praise the Lord. If something good happens in your life, declare glory to God. And athletes get a bad rep for this um, because it's almost kind of a cliche. Sometimes you roll your eyes when you hear it. When someone wins a game and they're being interviewed afterwards, they say, well, I want to thank God and I want to thank my family. Well, who cares if it's cliche? Give every opportunity to give God glory. So now Paul is about to drop the hammer in verse five. He says, You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Now I just wanna pause right here for a second because oftentimes when we read verses like this, we start to tune out and we think, okay, uh, these, these verses are just more of a warning for sinners and not for me. Are you serious? Should I pull my pockets out? I thought about it. I'm not going to, though. We need to remember who Paul is writing to here. He's writing this letter to the church. Obviously, God knows how sinful the hearts of man are and takes time to address it right here. He says, you might say that you're a Christian, but if this is the type of person you are, if this is the way that you're acting, you're not fooling anyone. Just because somebody says they're a Christian and might even go to church every Sunday doesn't make them a Christian without a transformed life and an effort to be Christ-like, And Paul really seems to be leading into the topic of greed here, too, which, again, we tend to dismiss when we read because, I don't know about you, but I personally, I think of this blatant characteristic that makes this really ugly, large, green person. I know that seems weird and oddly specific, but I actually Googled greed, and this was the first image that came up. And that's basically exactly the picture that I had in my head. Thank you. You can go back to the verse now. But look at the way Paul describes greed. He says, for a greedy person is an idolater. Basically, someone who loves something so much that it becomes an idol. It's all they can think about. It's what they're chasing after. It's what, they just, they gotta have more. Worshipping things of this world. Now, there's there's nothing wrong with having cool stuff, but my dad always says, the more stuff you have, the more your stuff has you. He's a very wise man. I think he's watching right now, too. Hey, Dad. (laughs) But that's a problem. And it's a problem because God wants all of you. He wants your whole heart and your whole mind. And when you're obsessed with just getting more things, that's where your mind is, and your mind is not set on things above. Now, I've told the story before of the fire that we went through, and uh, actually, the four year anniversary of that was just this last week, but when we escaped and all we had were the clothes on our backs, there was this strange sense of contentment and peace knowing that Christ was all that we had. I mean, he saved us. He brought us literally out of the darkness and the flames. And as we drove away from the fire, we sang that song. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, um, but it says, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. I'm taking a poll to see if we should do it on a Sunday morning. Okay, all right. Now that was a powerful time of worship. And I also, because I just preached it, I wanna take a second to give God some glory. And I know I already told you, but my wife and I, we just bought our first home together and he's, he's blessed us more than we could have ever imagined. I just wanna say praise God and thank you God for that. But the point is, we just need to be careful because greed can slip in little by little, and take a hold of you before you even notice it. The pursuit of things catches up with you quick. It starts with, oh man, I got this, this new thing and it's really cool, and then you know that, that newness kind of starts to wear off, and then you start thinking, oh, I gotta get something else now. Sister, you need Jesus. Jesus is what fills that hole, fills that void. And consumerism is almost a religion in today's society. And the world is constantly screaming at us, you need more to be happy. And we buy into that lie and we spend our time and money chasing things and then we only give God what's left over. And then when we need something, we come running and we cry out to him and we expect him to drop everything and just answer our prayers. And if you had a friend that treated you that way, you probably wouldn't like him very much, would you? We should all be desiring God more than any earthly object. Now it's important to remember that the church at Ephesus, they came out of a lot of sinning. They were in darkness, they worshiped idols, and they even worshiped some forms of sexual immorality. So it was a real challenge for them to come out of that, and they lived in communities that promoted and practiced these kinds of things, and so there was always pressure and temptation to give in and go back to their old sinful ways. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Very relatable to the world that we live in today. And then God comes along in Leviticus and he gives his people this important commandment and it's so important that he repeats it three times, really wants to get his point across and he says, be holy as I am holy, be holy as I am holy, be holy as I am holy. And three times he said it. And just because I know some of us hear that and we think, uh uh-oh, How can I be holy like God? That's a a tall order to fill. So it's important to look at the translation of the word um, and just understand that it means separated, set apart from darkness and sin. Does that make sense? We need to be morally pure. Verse six. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things these people do, in the things these people do. So here we have a warning and he says, don't be fooled by those who try to justify these sins. And if you disobey God, then you will be punished. As we've kind of, we looked at the wrath of God the last two weeks and I kind of had to scold Brent and I'm like, dude, slow down. You're kind of starting to take my message here. Now I know this seems pretty self-explanatory, at first glance, but once you really start to think about it, it should make you a little bit uneasy because there seems to be this dangerous trend in Christianity where we don't necessarily justify sin, but like I was talking about, we like to justify getting as close as we can to it. And why would we do that? I want you to think about this. If you have a pen, write it down. The closer we creep towards sin, the further we crawl away from our relationship with God. And let's be honest, once we get so close to that line and we've done such a good job of justifying where we're at and it's okay, I'm not gonna sin, I'm just, I'm just, I'm good, I've got this under control, wham, the devil strikes and pushes us right over that line. So you need to be on guard, putting on the full armor of God every day, pray without ceasing, I know some of you have heard that verse before, and that simply means to live in an attitude of prayer where you walk and talk with God throughout your day. Share another quote from my wise father. He says, if you flirt with temptation, you will sin. That's good. Don't be flirting with temptation because you will sin. Now, Paul's warning here is really about the fact that There are people always making excuses for sin. And in the world today, it's even promoted as a good thing. I mean, if you sin and you are open about your sin, you're brave and bold. Wrong. Well, wrong in the sense that the world thinks. I think you're pretty brave and bold if you want to openly declare your sin and think that you can stand against the wrath of God. That's pretty brave, especially with what we just studied the last two weeks. Like the text says, the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. So he says, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by the world and don't be fooled by your own sinful nature. And he says, don't participate in the things these people do. So basically stay away from sin. I mean, he's, he's reiterating the fact that we shouldn't even be dipping our toes in the sinful waters, but instead we should be fully submersed in living water. Now, it's one thing to be shining a light to the unsaved, but it's another thing entirely to be indistinguishable from them. When you're around unbelievers, you shouldn't act and talk and look like them. You should be the influencer, not the influenced. Be holy as God is holy. Be set apart from the world. Desire God above all else. And don't flirt with temptation because you will sin. All right, let's finish up now with point number three, the light of our lives. Now Paul's gonna give us some wise counsel here. Verse eight, he says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. So make a clean break. He says, don't forget, without Christ, you were lost in the darkness, and remember what Christ has saved you from. Don't go back to that sin. And sometimes people like to hold on a little bit, like, okay, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, um, but I'm just going to hold on to a little bit of sin. You need to make a clean break. Get away from it. Give it all up. One thing that I love about our men's breakfast is uh, is that we have one of the men in the church share their testimony, and we get to hear these amazing stories of God's miraculous work in their lives and just the transformation that has happened. And we all have an amazing story, and it it may not be that God spoke to you in an audible voice or you had a near-death experience or uh, he set you free from addiction, which he can do all of those things. But guess what? God has saved us from eternal darkness and separation from him. And that right there, that alone is an amazing testimony of God's grace. And not only have we been saved from darkness, but this verse says we have the light from the Lord. So now we are to be the light of the world and that the light only produces good things. So he's continuing this theme of righteousness here. And again, it's important to know what righteousness means and it simply means set right with God. So we are to be holy as he is holy, set apart, separated from the world, and righteous, which means set right with God. So our behavior and the way that we live should reflect our relationship with God. But how exactly are we the light? If Jesus is the light of the world, What, how does that, how does that work? Well, he gets a hold of us, he works in us, and we become like him, and we begin to shine his light all around us, and it really is the illuminate concept that I mentioned earlier. Have have you heard the illuminate concept before? Raise your your hand. Okay, well, I'll explain it. If you haven't heard it, you should take DHC Essentials. If you took DHC Essentials and you didn't raise your hand, you obviously weren't paying attention, and you gotta retake it, sorry. But it starts with Christ in you. And Christ shines through you to your spouse. And then you begin to shine Christ's light and his love to your children. And then you come to church. And then you have all these families that are filled with the love and light of Christ. And then they go out into the community and people begin to see that we're different. We're shining light, and that's how, that's how we do evangelism. We do evangelism simply by fee- being, <laughs> being filled. It's a good thing I don't speak for a living. <laughs> being filled with the light and love of Christ and then illuminating that to those around us. The second wise counsel Paul gives us is in verse 10. He says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So, Figure out what ways we should embrace or reject. Figure out what friends we should have or shouldn't have. If you have friends that are influencing you and you're not influencing, uh, you might need to take a look at that. What activities we should or shouldn't be participating in? Simply, if it doesn't please God, um, then we probably shouldn't be doing it. That's not to say we we can't have fun and we have to just live by the strict set of rules. but we need to stay away from sin. We need to carefully determine what pleases the Lord and strive to live a life that is pleasing to God. So what he's doing here is he's really telling us to evaluate our lives, take roll call of the fruit in your life, and then live an intentional way to do what pleases God and not what pleases our flesh. That's really what it is. Not pleasing your flesh, pleasing God. Now, there could be a whole sermon just on that, but I want, I want you to take a second and i want you to think about your life and what you have in your life all those things that i just mentioned and think about uh, what you have in your life that doesn't please god and how you can get back on track to growing in your faith because if you have sorry if you have things in your life that god hates which god hates sin it will hinder your spiritual growth so take a second and just think It's a squeaky water bottle. You probably have something in mind. So now Paul is gonna tell us how to deal with it and what we should do. Verse 11. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Now you might be thinking, okay, wait a second. How does this verse help me with my problem? How does it help me with my sin? Isn't he saying that we should expose the sins of others? Well, not really. Uh, He's saying that every dark corner of your heart and mind and soul should be flooded with the light of God. Don't try to keep sinful secrets. If you're married, don't have flirtatious relationships with other people. Don't be visiting those websites that you know will lead you to sin. Here's one. Make sure your spouse knows the password to your phone. I mean, that's, Seems like a simple thing, Um, but it's making some people uncomfortable. But that's a good thing. If you're uncomfortable, it probably means you need to take action and turn on the floodlights in your life. You can live in the freedom of God's grace if you don't try to live with secret sin in your heart. Lay it all at the foot of the cross. And you know there is no such thing as secret sin because God knows us completely. So it's useless to try to hide it. Trying to hide it simply puts chains around our heart and keeps us from living in the complete freedom of God's grace and light. Now I know that no one is perfect, we all struggle, but we don't have to be prisoners to sin. We can be set free. And we have been forgiven, but we will continue to struggle until we surrender all to Jesus and let his light expose the darkness in our hearts and fill us with his love. Now our prayer should be David's prayer in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. What a powerful prayer. In fact, I'm going to give you guys some homework. Get a pen or get your phone out and write that down. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. And your homework for the week is to pray this prayer every morning when you wake up and every evening before you go to bed. Maybe you can put it, print it out and put it in your rear view mirror so that way you can't see the bright high beams trying to blind you. There you go, you're welcome. Instead of getting irritated, you'll have a great prayer to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you. And I would repeat it until you've got it memorized and just make it your daily prayer. Okay, we're just about done. Let's finish up now with the last few verses. Verse 12. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. So set your mind on things above And don't waste time talking about how sinful the world is. I had to slow down there and make sure you heard me because we do that a lot. Instead, let's talk about how good our God is, Amen? amen? Verse 13. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. So people will notice as you imitate God and shine his light. And people who live in darkness, They'll be made uncomfortable. I can't tell you how many times I've been around uh, unbelievers and they'll cuss and then they'll apologize to me. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what? Why are you apologizing? You're the one who's uncomfortable, not me. But just by living in the light, God will open doors and create opportunities for us to share the gospel with other people. And he can use you to give them an opportunity to come out of the darkness and into the light. So finally, he finishes up by saying, this is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Either you're awake and living in the light, or you're dead in the darkness, and you need to be brought to life. And when you finally wake up, and decide to give your life to Christ and be a fully devoted follower of Christ, get serious about your relationship with God, Christ will give you light. He'll set you free. You can live in the freedom of his grace, and then you can have a truly incredible testimony. But you can't, you can't claim to be living in the light while you're asleep in the dark. So it's time to wake up, Whatever you're keeping in the corners, the dark corners of your heart, it's time to give it to the Lord and let him fill you completely with his light. And we're going to close in prayer here in a second. And after that, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, um, we'll have some people from the prayer team hanging out here after service. I just want to make that clear. People will be getting up and leaving But that means that you have an opportunity to pray with somebody who genuinely loves you and cares about you without anybody looking at you. And our prayer team is great. Um, They're here to listen. If you wanna share what's on your heart, if you wanna just let them know, hey, I've got some stuff in my heart that shouldn't be there and I need strength, I need God's strength uh, to give it to him, to get rid of him, would you pray for strength? They'll pray for strength. If you wanna come out of the darkness and into the light, If you're hearing this thinking, I I need to be set free. I need to be awakened. I want the freedom of God's grace. Then you can come forward and pray with them, and they'll be happy to pray with you. But before we pray, um, I just want to read the last few verses of this section. I'm just about done, I promise. Um, But next week, we are going to continue on in Ephesians chapter 5. And we're gonna look at what godly relationships look like. And so I don't want you to be confused as why we jumped forward six verses. Uh, So verse 15 through 20 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That's one of my favorite verses, obviously. And then the last verse, verse 20, says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell a a side story here. I'm going to pull a Brent. I prayed for somebody once. Uh, they came forward, I prayed for him. They were struggling with addiction and I prayed that they'd be set free and I said, amen. And then he's just standing there staring at me with his eyes open. And he's like, you didn't say in Jesus' name, amen. How dare you? It's <laughs> <was> like, wow, <laughs> okay. That's, that's why he was offended because I didn't say in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I think God could still translate the prayer, right? So basically, that's my rabbit trail. He finishes... This section by saying, now that I've given you some instruction, it's time to go out and live it. Be wise, resist temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit, let your heart be filled with the joy of the Lord, and in everything give thanks to God, because every good thing that we have comes from Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you humbly, and uh, we ask that you would search us And that you would know our hearts. God, you know that we're not perfect, but we want to be holy as you are holy. And we want to be righteous. We want to be set right with you. We don't want anything in our hearts to separate us from you. We don't want uh, chains around us holding us down. God, we want your freedom that comes with your grace. And you give it freely to those who ask. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move through this place right now and uh, would just convict those who need to be convicted And move those who need to be moved towards you. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your light that you give freely. And that uh, your word says that we are now filled with your light because we are your children. So we ask that you would help us and give us the strength to live in your light this week. As we live for you, Lord, let others see you in us and give us opportunities to share the gospel. And just to share the love and light that you have blessed us with. We ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church weekly message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.